Hey everybody, welcome to Bedside Matters, the podcast that addresses the medical issues that impact every single one of us every single day. We're hopefully going to give you the answers you're looking for so you can be more informed and also healthier. I'm one of your hosts, Peter Tilden. I got Dr. David Kipper with me. I got Anna Vocina with me. And today I got a man, he's an actor, producer, writer, and maybe even an experimental performance artist. I'd love to hear how you typify what it is you do, Mr. Johnny Knoxville. Well, hello. Uh, honored to be on the show. And yeah, I look at myself more as a half-assed stuntman. And uh, as far as experimental artist, I, I hope we're not making art. Uh, I hope <laughs> we're just making people laugh. It's cathartic either way, I think, for us to watch you. So Jackass launches on MTV. It's a, a huge hit right off the bat. And then you got movie after movie after movie. Watching you guys risk death paralysis and worse. And I wonder, what is it? You know, I'm going to use the word catharsis. I've read a lot about Jackass, and it's also been a part of my life for a long time, like it is a lot of people's lives. And you feel guilty watching it, and yet you want to see... <laughs> You want to see something happen because that's what you paid your money for. Yeah. So is it, Johnny, is it about the friendship? Is it about catharsis? Have you done an inside-out look at why are these people coming back? What is it about this that resonates with people? I think people do enjoy the absurdity of our comedy and how visual it is and everyone likes a train wreck. But I think what separates us from other people who do this type of thing is we're all friends and we love each other and i think people like hanging out with us is what separates us there you go and david this is about brain chemistry are you a junkie for this kind of stuff oh, wow is, is yeah it, what's happening with dopamine and serotonin while you're waiting for a bull to come through the, the slot and you're standing in front of him to be hit straight on by a bull is there that rush or are you going what am i why did i say yes to this most all of my stunts I write, so I'm not wondering why I said yes. I think I did get addicted to it. A lot of uh, magical thinking involved. You know, like, I got this. This will be fine. When I'm doing things I've never done before, and I have no idea how they're going to end, but to get yourself to that place, you have to play a little game with yourself. And, you know, I wasn't really thinking about the consequences too much because if I was, why would I be doing that? Peter, you referenced this or analogize this to a, the bull issue. Johnny, why don't you tell everyone what you did before you did this? Uh, weren't you working <laughs> in a rodeo? No, before, no, I never worked in a rodeo, but I did write some articles on the well, I went to Gary LeFew's home and wrote an article on him for Big Brother, and I got on my first bull there. Gary LeFew was a world champion bull rider in 1970, and he supplied all of our bulls to this day for Jackass. So I had a few different jobs starting out, but I think I got I started doing stunts when my then girlfriend got pregnant, and I knew I had a child coming. And I was 24, 23, I was 23 when I knew the kid was coming. And I was working in a restaurant and I'm like, how am I going to afford, be able to afford to raise a child? And my best guess 
was starting to write for magazines, doing participatory journalism things like my poor imitation of Hunter S. Thompson. And the first one was I was testing self-defense equipment on myself, like pepper spray, stun gun, taser gun. And then someone was going to shoot me while I wore a bulletproof vest. But once we got out there, they said they weren't going to do it. So I had to shoot myself. It's, it's, you know, Rolling Stone asked my father why I do, why I did what I did. It's like 2002. He goes, well, he was like that Dominican baseball player. He wasn't going to get off that island by bunting. And uh, <laughs> this was my best guess at how to make a living with no college education. What's amazing is, and I remember this, so I was working with David Zucker at the time, who had done Airplane, Naked Gun, or whatever. Yeah. And I remember that tape made its rounds so quickly of a guy standing there shooting himself. Yeah. That's what started the buzz, was that tape, because I made, I created it with Jeff Tremaine, who was the editor of the Skateboarding Magazine that I wrote that article for. He became the director of Jackass, and Spike Jones got on board with us and helped us create it. And David, do you want to talk about the addiction part of that? Because I should just casually mention, and, and the count may be wrong, so don't hold me to this, 16 concussions to date? Yeah, that's that's the number. No more. At least you can remember the number. <laughs> exactly. That's a good start. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. There is a brain chemistry that is associated with risk-taking and impulse issues, and that's a dopamine imbalance. So one could say that Johnny had some dopamine imbalance part of his brain chemistry, and I don't think that would be far-fetched. And, you know, people are either that or they're the opposite, where they tunnel their impulses internally and so, yes, I think you could probably say that you're on that dopamine side with this, which then brings to bear this question. If this was pervasive as far as a brain chemistry issue with you, did you have any focusing problems as a kid in school? I was a handful in school, and yeah, I would act up, and I have had I don't remember if it was, because I did really, like in the seventh grade, I got straight A's. And then I hit puberty and I cast my protractor aside. I could care less about school after seventh grade. But I enjoyed more the attention. And I don't know if that's in regard to what you're talking about, but I did eventually develop uh, attention problems. I would bet also that you had no social anxiety. Is that correct? That actually is is not correct. I do suffer from social anxiety intermittently, especially around crowds. I remember five, six years old, I went to my first University of Tennessee football game, and it was 100,000 people, and I, as soon as I got out of the car with my father, I started crying for my mother. And ever since then, I'm a little weird in crowded situations. And sometimes I deal with it better than others. But, and, and also I have social anxiety where, yeah, it hits me and I uh, just have to like kind of check in with myself and like, what are you, what are you worried about? What you're worried about is not really a problem. You know, just try to calm myself down. But that's intermittent. It's not every time. Sometimes I'm no no social anxiety, but every now and then I get really internally in my head and I have to kind of work to get out of it. 
I mean, that's interesting to hear, especially considering you've injured yourself in a way that like you, I guess you probably went into shock a few times and didn't really, you know what I mean? For for a guy who does that, it makes me feel better. I'm like, okay, well, if Johnny Knoxville feels social anxiety, it, it's okay that the rest of us feel it too, because like, you felt a lot of different things physically, you know? Yes. Yeah. N- never. I don't think I've ever been in shock. I just get knocked out. Oh, okay. You, know? you just, pat, you just check out completely. Um, Cut out the middleman. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it just saves Someone time. Someone will pick you know? me up and take me to the hospital. Saves yes. time. Johnny just goes right, right to that. Wow. What's the worst injury that you've had? What's the one that bothered you the most? The concussions, I think, you know, were probably the worst things that have happened to me. And that's still playing out. Uh, <laughs> and But I think I've had some odd injuries. You know, I, I mean, there's, of course, there's a lot of breaks and sprains and whatnot. But I've had a blowout fracture of my left eyeball. Um I can't believe you're thinking about this. You were on our show years ago and talked about your urethra. You went up on a motorcycle and did a stunt that you'd never done before and ripped your urethra. And you're not even, that's like not even A on the list. You're, th- you're <laughs> it's so far down the well, list. No, that, that's on the list. I'm just, because okay. once you get to a certain type of injury, they kind of, they're tied. Dude, um, <laughs> that was hard, but that was horrific. You're describing it? Yeah, the, I was trying to backflip a motorcycle for our... Matt Hoffman's tribute to Evil Knievel. I wasn't even supposed to do any stunts. I was producing it. But I got to the set that day and I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm going to try flipping, back flipping a bicycle. Uh, excuse me, motorcycle. And I don't really know how to ride a motorcycle. So Travis Mastrana was there, who's the greatest at it in the world. First man to backflip a uh, motorcycle, two revolutions. And he was showing me how to let out the clutch. He had to actually let out the clutch for me the first couple of times. But if you watch the the footage, when he's telling me how to do it, I'm not paying attention. Yeah. I'm checked out. I just want to get to the stun and do it. That is, maybe we can talk about that, Dr. Kipper. <laughs> that has uh, <laughs> happened a lot with me doing stunts. Someone's explaining how to best do it, and I'm pretending to listen but I'm not listening. I'm just checked out. Anyway, I motorcycle goes up in the air. I let go of it as I come off the ramp, and it goes up in the air 20 feet, goes back down to the ground, and breaks his handlebars off of my crotch and tore my urethra. Ouch. Good times. Good times. And are you healed 100% from that? No more follow-up? No? Well, I had to catheter twice a day for three and a half years afterwards and wow. go see my urologist once every couple of months and now i'm down to just seeing him once a year and i'm going to see him in the next couple of weeks oh my gosh but it's all healed i've had two children since then that's a relief and do, yes. do your doctors say johnny you can go back to work knowing what your work is or does every doctor say no you can't go back to work you know what your work is <laughs> well it depends on what the in- injury is like i've been in to see dr kipper he's treated me a lot for a lot of these injuries and you know the time dr kipper was in jackass our first movie after i got knocked out by butterbean in a swap meet i came to see him and he stitched my head up and he's like you got a concussion you need to you know lay off for a little bit and i listened to him do you text kipper like you're like hey i'm about to do something crazy i'm you i might need no, you in a minute i'm i'm not i don't want to be like what about bob 
<laughs> you know, and just constant thorn like in Dr. Should, Kipper's though. side. I feel like you should give you should warn Kipper that this might be coming. I think Kipper's got enough people warning him about different things. I can't imagine what your day to day is like, Dr. Kipper. Well, you're always a fun part of my day. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're initially when I see you, it's not fun, but it's always nice to see you, and always great to see you. It's nice to have seen you develop your family and watch you as a great dad. And so that part for me has been great. Thank you. So with your kids as a dad, were you overly protective? Were you? Yes. Yes. So I mean, sort of the opposite, right, of of what your persona is. As far as injury goes and doing something dangerous, I was a helicopter parent. If they were on climbing on something, I was right under them. Yeah. I just couldn't bear them getting hurt, the thought of that. And But if they said, did something sort of naughty or misbehave, I was pretty easy about that, but I just didn't want them to get hurt. I always wanted to know this because you, I, we, I've watched all the movies. Also, by the way, Bad Grandpa is one of the funniest things. Oh, thank you. And and you're laughing, and I'm embarrassed. I'm watching you in a bed in a bedding staircase thrown up and down by a mattress, and I'm crying. I'm just crying. And you nailed the fact that everybody's going to be sympathetic to an old man, so you get away with even more <laughs> stuff, yes. which is just brilliant. But you're working for a studio. Somebody at the studio in some office is sitting there, and their job is to figure out the insurance stuff. So they sit down uh, and go, he, he's doing, okay, so he's going to go, they're going to shoot him in a porta potty 80 feet in there. And so they got all of that going on. A, how do you get insured? B, has the studio ever said, you can't do this stunt? It's oh, too over the line. Yeah. And C, how does Tom Cruise hang off a frigging jet um, <laughs> and get insured for that when he's the star of the movie? You probably know the answers to all of these things. Yes, we'll start with A, actually at the end of the TV show, we lost our insurance. But when we did the move, the first movie, they insured it per bit. So we had one idea that one of our cast members, Chris Pontius, would dress up as the devil and just do random things around the city. And he wanted to go to a Pentecostal church and handle snakes, dress as the devil. <laughs> but they assessed that and said... Well, if you do it, that's going to be $5 million to insure. And the first film cost $6 million. So that was cost <laughs> That was out of the question. <laughs> right. Oh my, oh, my God. But after that, we we didn't have problem with the insurance, and they just insure the movie because we've been doing it for a while. And, of course, there had been injuries, but they figured that we kind of know what we're doing. And the studio telling us, no, we, we will monitor ourselves i mean the studio is of course monitors but we're pretty good about looking at something and go well is this like super easily imitatable and if it is let's not do it Mm -hmm. we're pretty good about that but tom cruise like i don't know like is there that much jeopardy in being tied down to an airplane i mean sure a bird can come and hit you but he's got the best riggers in hollywood yeah setting him on that plane he's i mean it's sort of dangerous but he's safe what is the justification for five million dollars for bringing snakes into the church i don't know what insurance companies 
assess the value of a human life is. I'm sure there is a number, but maybe that's what they were looking at, either medical bills or the cost of a human life. So these were full-on poisonous snakes that will kill you with one bite. Well, people, I mean, Dr. Kipper could tell you more, but I, I don't know if they're, every bite is po- a, 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 you're going to die from. If they can replenish the venom quick enough? It seems like it's possible. Well, not every snake is poisonous, Mr. Insurance Adjuster, just two of them. Well, no, the, well, the, all the ones they're handling are poisonous. I just don't know. It depends on how much venom they get in you, where they bite you, if it goes into an artery. I, I don't know. Dr. Kipper knows more than me. In my personal experience, a, a large worm is scary and potentially venomous. <laughs> so as soon as you get to the snake size, I, it doesn't matter. You see, I looked at it, Johnny, as I'm part of the congregation. He comes in. I, I am so scared of snakes that I'm now in therapy for the rest of my life, <laughs> right. and you're, you're paying for it. It's therapy. Oh, yeah, does. yeah. Because I didn't anticipate a snake being there while I was kneeling in prayer. <laughs> so, boom. So you're really terrified of snakes, Peter? Oh, don't start with me. See, he's got- well, No, I just what's... wanted to know. Is yes, that, I, is that, yes, is it, yes, I Is am. that what we're I, saying? Okay, thanks for letting me know. Peter, you walked right into that. To bite me in that. I have nothing up. to do with this man. We have no business together, <laughs> but I know, I know. You're listening to Bedside Matters, and we're back with Johnny Knoxville. Dr. Kipper, I have a question for you. I thought I could get some pre-medical advice by here coming on here today. Do it. So Emily is, she's allergic to shellfish, not deathly allergic. So I avoid eating it around her. Is it okay if I eat shellfish around her and go rinse my mouth or and wash my hands afterwards? Or should I avoid eating shellfish too? The former, you can eat shellfish around her unless you regurgitate what you're eating and spit it at her, but you're, right. you're good to eat it. Shellfish allergies are idiosyncratic. And what that means is that you can have a bad reaction to shrimp on one meal and another meal you can eat shrimp and not have a reaction. But if you have a bad reaction to shellfish, it's unlikely that you're going to try that again. Right. And someone sitting with you or near you is not going to create that problem. It, it's an intestinal issue. It gets digested in the intestinal tract, and that's where the allergy originates. So is it a problem, say, I, I eat shellfish, and then I give her a kiss on the cheek? Like, is that going to, it's, or is it all intestinal? It's all intestinal. Okay. Now, there are degrees of these reactions, too, because if people eat shellfish, and again, they have a reaction to the next dose, but that reaction accelerates to where it's causing them not to breathe or to have anaphylaxis or near anaphylaxis, then I wouldn't kiss that person after eating shrimp. Right. But, but if it's just a moderate, mild, annoying allergy, then I think it's you're free to kiss Emily. Okay. Thank you. David, can I ask a question about that, about allergy? Because I just saw an article that said, where a person wrote in that the kid had an allergy, but never had it before. And then I saw the answer can be, you you can get allergies at any age. Like somebody without a peanut allergy all of a sudden can start presenting at age 17 or 34 or different allergies kick in at different times or are, they're not even time. I mean, it happens when it happens. You could live your whole life and then all of a sudden in their later years get an allergy. So allergies are, are 
autoimmune reactions. That means that the body is reacting to itself in some way and to these allergens, things that come in. And yes, you can get them at any time. Uh, it's certainly more common with your first exposure, and that's usually with kids because it's rare that as we get older, we try new things. But Johnny, to your point about the shellfish, and Peter, to your example of the peanuts, peanut allergy can be so severe that just having peanuts around. So Johnny, this gets back to your question. If these kids touch peanuts or they're in any way around peanut dust, they can set off a huge reaction. And That's so- That's why they don't do it on the airplane anymore because the kids, if the, if the dust is recirculating, it can like cause an anaphylactic response in some of these kids. Yes, absolutely. And But what we're doing with peanut allergy now is that we're giving kids very, very tiny doses of uh, peanuts when they're, when they're babies. And we can increase those doses and that will solve the peanut allergy problem. So we get them acclimated. We have a dear friend, you guys have both been to my house, and this is one friend who for a long time could not come with his kids because his son had a peanut allergy. And so he couldn't even, if peanuts were on the table in a bucket outside, he couldn't come to the parties. So it can be, it can be pretty serious. But can you treat, like you do when with little kids, you can give them, you can inoculate them, I guess, give them, but can you do it when they get older? Because I've had a uh, allergy, I have uh, several allergies, as you know, and I used to get allergy shots. Can you do that with the peanut as the, as the kids get older or they have to be young? No, you can do that as they get older. But, but what the mechanism that I talked about where you give, you are inoculating them but orally with just small doses of it. Yeah. So that's that that is an inoculation in essence. So the answer is yes. Okay. Without it being a shot, which is much better if you're four years old, you know, to eat a yeah. little peanut than to get a shot. Sure. I'm going back to get retested for my allergy because it's been years. And I guess it's oral now. It's yeah, you're not no longer doing shots. Are you supposed to eat? This is a question for Dr. Kipper because you're going back to get your allergies tested. I've heard both ways. You're supposed to have a little tiny bit of the food so it ref if you haven't had it in years, that you're supposed to have a tiny bit of the food so that your immune system tags it. But then I but then I'm like, like for example, with gluten, I'm celiac, so I haven't had gluten in twenty years since I was diagnosed. And it always, now when I do a food allergy test, it never shows up. It's always like, you're fine because I haven't eaten it. And so my doctor said, you would have to eat it for your immune system to tag it because it's not in your system. And I was always confused by that. Is What does that mean? I think that the doctor's answer was correct. I think that oh. you, there are things that um, are go through the GI tract. There are things that come through the respiratory tract. So allergens, pollens, uh, different trees, things that you're breathing in, as opposed to things that you're eating. So yes, they're different mechanisms, but it's, oh. it's I, I would not test the gluten issue, but you're not going to die from having a little gluten. Right. You're just going to get right. sick. And that's different than if somebody has you know, a severe allergy to something else totally. um, where they can be. Bee stings are another good example that bee stings can be really traumatic uh, beyond the bee sting. And those, those kids 
if they're outside and there are bees around, they panic, uh, yeah. appropriately so. So, Johnny, are you having food allergies tested or ex- environmental allergies tested? Most all my allergies are environmental. Um, I just have one allergy to Celebrex. I believe I came back home and you treated me for this, Dr. Kip. You'll have to see if I remember it correctly. But I was working on a, a film in Austin and uh, I was taking Celebrex for my back. It broke me out into rash from head to toe, raised red rash. And thank God we had stopped down to re- replace a couple of people in the production that week. And thank God because I broke out from head to toe in a raised wow. red rash. And I believe I had to go on prednisone. And that prednisone is a, a, a miracle drug in, in if you don't have to take it that often. Um, but it did leave me like noticeably heavier in the rest of the film. But the rash was gone, so I was happy. So that's my one. Celebrex is the only thing like that I'm allergic to. I thought I read that you got asthma, and it got even more complicated because you got really sick with uh, bronchitis and also pneumonia. Environmentally induced asthma, yes. A couple of times, I I got hospitalized. I think when I was eight, I it was really bad. I didn't realize how bad it was. And after, years, years later, mother said, we were concerned we were going to lose you. But... You know, at the time, you, you just know you're better and getting back on with life. But I always had that, and but I never let it hold me back. I, I played all three sports around, you know, football, basketball, baseball. And I'd run in the basketball court. I'd have my inhaler in my sock. Because, you know, you're a kid. You just want to be like everyone else. And uh, it never held me back that much. I, I rarely wheeze these days. And are you still a black belt in jiu-jitsu? <laughs> or is that is that BS? IOBS. That is uh I am 0 and 73 lifetime in fights. I, I have no skill. Um I want to interrupt you for a second before you're done. There is an interesting association of kids with asthma and anti inflammatory allergies. So kids with asthma often have problems with aspirin. And which is an anti-inflammatory. So you talked about your history as a kid with asthma, and now you have a reaction to Celebrex, which is an anti-inflammatory. So there is there is some association there. Interesting. How those dots get connected, I have no idea. But but it is interesting now that you bring this up about your childhood and the Celebrex. It's interesting to me. It's probably tedious to everybody else. No, it's fascinating. Is that an overactive immune system? Is that what asthma is? It's a specific immune reaction to those things. Those things somehow in your immune system are connected. The how of it, I I couldn't explain, but the association is there. So, John, I was going to say before we go, any of the stunts you did for Jackass, um, the movie, the TV show, any regrets where you went, you know what, shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that, where you look back and go, that was just a big mistake. No, no, not with the stunts that I have done. Um, I know me and the boys have gotten into a little trouble here and there, and you can think, well, maybe we shouldn't have done that, but, you know, onward and forward, siempre avante. There you go. Well, you seem like a really positive guy. Yeah. Um, and up- Well, I try to be. Well, yeah, I think you are. I think you're doing a great job. Uh, no more Jackass movies, I'm guessing, or, or am I wrong? I don't know. Like, if... 
we never make a decision until the last second. And if we did do another, I would step back and let the younger guys and girls. Be the elder jackass statesman. Yeah, because I can't have any. I had a really terrible reaction to the last concussion I had. And I, you know, just talking to Dr. Kipper and my neurologist. And it's like we decided enough. best I stop while I'm behind. Yeah. They asked, could you not? Yeah. What I love is you're not that far away from being becoming Urban Zissman. And you can hey, do no. that role. I could, we could save on so much makeup, <laughs> the makeup time and the cost if we'd shot another. I think you got a whole series of grumpy old Finn type movies as soon as you hit your 60s or 70s since you're yeah. there. So thank you so much. You're always such thank a good you. sport, man. It's such a pleasure. And take care of yourself. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Johnny, I thank you, and I'm I'm glad that my pals here got to see what a great guy you are in oh. all these ways, and you're smart, and you're all these things that one would never think about you if they only saw you through your films. So I'm glad you got to share your real self. Thank you for your time. Okay, well, thank you so much. Be good, man. Thank see you. you. Yeah. Bye, Johnny. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. The information on Bedside Matters should not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information on Bedside Matters is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. We'll see you next time.